All right. Well, guys, you are in for a treat today. Uh, Pastor Andrew McLean stayed over. Uh, he was at Revival with us, and he, passed, he pastors a church in Milwaukee called 414 Church. Uh, him and Shyla are with us uh, today in worship, and I am so excited for him to share a word with us. He is a dear friend of Gretchen and I's. They are both dear friends of ours, and, and we've just enjoyed getting to know them. We met them in the relational network that we're a part of uh, called Next Level Relational Network, and uh, so excited about the word he has for you. Um, and yes, he is from Milwaukee, guys, um, and so that means he's a Brewers fan. Uh, yeah, right? Now, it is Cardinals week, you know, I mean, we are starting, we have our game on Thursday, you know, to kick this thing off, and we're really excited about that and the potential of that, but I don't want you to be mean to him, okay? They're just, I mean, he can't help himself, you know, he just can't. That's where he's from, that's where, it's where, it's, it's where he grew up, guys. And so he's got to love the Brewers. And so, so we're excited to have him. Uh, and so would you give Pastor Andrew a warm welcome? Come on, let's do that. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing good? Uh, I, I will not apologize for being a Brewers fan. Um, I told uh, the group that was here on Revival Night on Thursday, uh, my, my heart is still broken from 1982. Uh, those of you that are long-term Cardinal fans know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but one of these days, we will win, because if the Cubs could win, that means the Brewers can eventually win, all right? If God would allow that to happen, I mean, heaven and earth had to move, you know, for that to all fall into place. I, I believe our, our year is going to come one of these years. But uh, thank you so much, uh, Pastor Daniel. I know Pastor Gretchen's out uh, uh, serving in another capacity, but we just honor you. We honor the great team. Thank you, Jen and uh, Pastor Titus, just uh, all, all for, the, for the amazing hospitality. Um, we just have, have thoroughly enjoyed our time. Uh, in St. Louis. Um, I also wanted to thank you as the church family. Uh, Pastor Daniel mentioned we, we met each other because of the Next Level Relational Network, and uh, that is actually um, one of the things, you may not be aware of it, but as, as you give here, um, a portion of everything you give here actually gets sent out to be a blessing to other people, and so uh, the Next Level Relational Network is actually something that you guys support, and that's really a ministry that exists uh, to, to serve pastors and their wives. And so I, I'm up here today, and I just want to let you know, just thank you for your generosity. I, I'm a better pastor. I'm a better man. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father because of the Next Level Relational Network. And uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, because without your giving, I couldn't be ministered to and, 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 and just be blessed by that ministry. And so we're, we're just so appreciative. Give yourselves a big hand. It's all right. Yeah. I uh, also want to give honor to my wife who's here uh, with me. Uh, we have three boys, 23, 19, and 17. You're like, man, you guys don't look that old. Uh, we started having kids when we were 12. That's why. Um, and so, uh, and so they're, they're all home. In fact, uh, in fact, my, my boys are uh, probably getting ready for service. They better be getting ready for service uh, right now at, uh, at home. And, and I also like to just thank my team, 414 Church in Milwaukee. Um, just shout out to them because without them serving so well, we actually couldn't be here this morning. And so uh, we just love them. And so uh, we're just excited to be uh, in service with you today. And, and I believe that God has a word for us today. Uh, the title of my message, uh, if you're taking notes, today is called The One. Everybody say, The One. 
the one. And I'm going to be teaching uh, on a topic that is often uh, misunderstood in Christianity, and that is the topic of evangelism. Everybody say evangelism. Uh, people are often intimidated, and really they, they have the wrong perspective, I believe, uh, when it comes to what evangelism is and, and what their role is in evangelism. I, I've met a lot of church, church people over my life that, that they think evangelism is the job of the lead pastor or, or the, the outreach team or, or the outreach director's position. But, but I, I'm going to share with you, and I hope you'll walk away uh, with a different mentality about uh, evangelism after we're done here this morning. There, there's a story that's told uh, about an open crusade that was held in Nova Scotia uh, where Billy Graham was scheduled to be one of the speakers uh, the, the, the next evening. And so he arrived a day earlier and he uh, attended the first service. And so Billy Graham, as the story is told, sat near the back of the crowd and, and he put a ball cap on and sunglasses on um, because he really didn't want anyone to recognize him. He just wanted to be able to kind of blend in and just, just see what was going on. And so as, as the service went on, directly in front of him was, was this man who was intently listening to that evening's message. And so as the as the speaker concluded, he invited the people to come forward uh, to commit their lives to follow Jesus. And so as, as Billy Graham sat there, uh, he decided, hey, I'm just going to do a little personal evangelism while I'm here. And so he tapped the man on the shoulder and he said, hey, would you would you like to commit your life to Christ? I'd be happy to to walk down with you to the front and pray with you. And and the man looked at him. He he thought of he thought about it for just a few moments. And then and then this is what he told Billy Graham. He said, no, no, I'm waiting until the big gun comes tomorrow night. And unfortunately, this, this story illustrates the thought that so many of us have, and that is that, that evangelism is the responsibility of the big guns. It's the responsibility of the, of the spiritual elite in the church, if you will. But, but when Jesus first called his disciples, he told them that he would turn them into something that is very interesting to me. Now, now it's a good thing I'm not Jesus because this world would be pretty messed up. But if I was Jesus, when I called my disciples, I would have I told them that I would make them more spiritual. I, I would have said, hey, I, I'm going to make you nicer guys. Pastor Danny, I would have said, I'm going to make you better singers, right? I, I, I would have said, you know, I'm going to make you more uh, benevolent. I, I'm going to help you to be eloquent communicators. But Jesus, he didn't say any of those things. As he, as he called his disciples, as he gathered them together, this is what he said as he, as he really called his E-team together. He said this, he said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. In other words, what Jesus was saying is he says, I'm going to teach you how to impact the lives of other people. And so my goal this morning is to really help bring some clarity and, and dispel the fear that is often associated with this topic. As you read through the pages of Scripture, uh, you will see that reaching and redeeming the lost, it is the primary theme of God's Word. Jesus speaking in Mark 16, 15, he said this, he said, Go into all the world and preach the good news to who? to everyone. 
Now again, because of misconceptions, most believers are, are scared of this. We're, we're actually a little bit intimidated. Come on, anybody intimidated to kind of go, it's all right, we're in church, don't lie in church, we'll have altar call in a moment, but please, we don't need to use it for that, right? But, but I want you to stop right now, if you will. Stop right now. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to picture an evangelist in your mind, and I want you to think of some adjectives that describe them, right? Everybody got that picture of an evangelist in their mind? Uh, for me, you can open your eyes. I don't want you to fall asleep. For, for me, uh, when I think of an evangelist, I think of a guy that comes up to the, to the, to the stage and he's got a really nice three-piece suit on. Like he's got the perfect tie with the matching cufflinks and the, and the little, little scarf there. And uh, he, it's all pulled up tightly, but then he gets up there and he, he does all the niceties at the beginning of the message. But then like five minutes in, like he's unloosening his tie. When he really gets excited, he'll take his coat off and throw it on the ground. And then somebody will run and pick that up and, and just lay it over a chair nice and neat. And, and, and the evangelists that I know, that they only preach in two volumes, loud and louder, right? And they would scream and spit would fly from his mouth and he'd be all fired up and and if you didn't respond that that meant something was wrong with you all right so so that was the kind of evangelist that that I grew up watching they were intense I mean the organ would be playing behind come on somebody know about that like the b3 just yeah and they're screaming and and hollering and 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 the, the you know the evangelists that I that I knew like that they had this gift of turning one syllable words into two syllable words. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like in uh, the beginning, uh, God, God created, uh, you know, like this, like just nonstop, like for 45. Come on, see, some of you are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? But now here's the thing I, I want you to think of the adjectives that describe the person who is most responsible for you coming to Jesus. How many of them spit on you when they talk to you? How many of them turned one-syllable words into two? How many of them were loud? How many of them were obnoxious? How many of them screamed in your face? Probably none of them. Instead, you're likely thinking about them and, and words come to your mind like patient, kind, inviting, caring, loving, a, a completely different picture somewhere we, we've gotten this idea that that evangelism has to do with these radical crazy out of control can't relate jesus freak people can i say that in church is that all right well when when in reality evangelism is all about being a person who is overflowing with the love of jesus I, I love what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. He says, and you will be my what? My witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So, so let, I want to just think about that for a moment because, because in courtrooms across our nation tomorrow morning, there are several key players involved in the legal proceedings. There is a prosecutor. There is a defense attorney. There is a judge. But I want you to notice this. Jesus didn't ask us to fill any of those roles. You and I, we were not called to defend the gospel. 
We were not expected to have the answers to every difficult question that people come up with theologically. This may even surprise you uh, this morning, but we weren't even called to judge and condemn people to hell. No, no. What Jesus said is he said, you are to be my witnesses. Now, now, now the role of a witness, if you've never been in court, I'm sure you, some of you have, some of you have seen this unfold on, on TV or in a movie. The role of a witness in a court is simply to share their side of the story. In other words, they get up and say, hey, let me tell you what's happened to me. When it comes to our walk with God and, and fulfilling our calling to be witnesses, we, we, we start to say things like, hey, let me tell you the difference that God has made in my life. I once was broken. I once was lost. I once was depressed. I was suicidal. I was broken. I was addicted. But Jesus reached down and he saved me and made me whole. He rescued me. That's the role that you and I are supposed to play. Now, now Gallup did a poll several years ago that, that stated that out of 65 million people who don't go to church in our nation, half of them would go if someone just invited them to church. And what we need to understand is that even though we can't see it externally, God is already working on people's hearts. And so what he needs for us to do, he needs us to understand how the process works to cooperate with him and then do our part. And so I want you to know that as believers, this is our destiny. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, it's essential that we understand that followers fish. They fish. And so sometimes, you know, at our church, you probably don't have this, Pastor Daniel, but at our church, uh, sometimes people that have a little bit of a, of a religious spirit, they'll come up to me and say, well, well, Pastor, when, when are you going to teach the deep stuff, Pastor? Can, can I give you something deep here this morning? Why don't we all commit to actually live out what we already know to be true? The person drowning in their problems, the ones suffering from, from depression and, and anxiety and addiction, they don't need the Greek word for life raft. They just need someone who will love them enough to throw them one. Go ahead and be that light. Be the, be the salt of the earth. Live it now. That, that's deep right there. That, that's deep. All right. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, says this, Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Then skipping down to verse 5, it says this. I love this. Work. Everybody say work. At telling others the good news. So work at implies to me that, that we're not going to be very good at it. So it's going to be necessary for us to practice. Going on, it says this. Fully carry out the ministry God has given you come on leave that verse up there for me for just a moment how many times have have you maybe ever thought or heard people ask 
I just don't know what God wants me to do with my life. Anybody ever wondered that? Ever, anybody ever heard someone ask that? There it is right there. Work at telling others the good news that that's it. Listen, the void that we are trying to fulfill or to fill in our lives with career, with success, with money, houses, vacation and stuff. Listen, it will never be filled until we step into living out the God given mission that he has for our lives. And that is to share the good news of Jesus with other people. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to share with you uh, how easy it is to share Christ with other people. Four simple things. And, and so if you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing that we need to do, number one is this, be aware and accept the personal responsibility. We just need to be aware of it. And not only do we need to be aware, but we need to accept the personal responsibility. Understand that God has placed each one of us intentionally into a sphere of influence. What does that mean? That he's intentionally put you into a family. He's intentionally put you around certain co-workers and certain classmates. And his plan is that we would influence and reach them. And here's what I want you to know that is that you've never really lived until you've had an unchurched person sitting next to you in service that you invited, right? And because they were searching for hope at the end of the message when an opportunity is given to, to raise their hand and say yes to Jesus and tears were streaming down their face and you look over and see that I promise you that is going to be the best service and probably one of the best days of your entire life. Why? Because that's what God has designed you and I to do. 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is, watch what he's doing. He is making his appeal through us. So we got to understand this is God's plan. And let me tell you, this is God's plan A. There is no plan B. God left us in the church to be change agents in the world. We are it. We must be aware of the fact that this is our role. It's also important that we understand that there is a process. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 in the Living Bible uh, translation, it says this, my work was to plant the seed in your heart. And Apollos' work was to water it, but it was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. All right, so, so you may be sitting here and your job in this process is to plant. Your job may be to, to get out there and till the soil. You, you may water, but, but every single one of us need to play our part in the process. And so there was a man by the name of, of James Engel who developed a scale of how people uh, move towards Jesus Christ. And there are, there are numerous uh, iterations of his original work and teaching. I want to share one of them uh, with you here this morning just because I think it helps us get, get a picture of what this looks like. It helps us, uh, I think it'll help us recognize that our job isn't to just walk around and close deals like, you know, a used car salesman. That, that, that's, that's, that's not our job. Our job is simply to help people take one step no matter where they fall on this scale. So this is the scale. The first stage represents those who are as far away from God as possible. Uh, they would be a minus six on the scale. You can write this down. They are resistant. They're resistant. Anybody ever talk to someone who is just resistant about God? They're like, don't talk to me. Get out of my face. You know, all of that. We probably heard that one time or another. And, and so typically, typically their resistance comes from hurts 
uh, or fear. And, and this is really an indictment on the church. A lot of times their hurt comes from the church. It comes from supposed followers of Jesus. And so, and so we should tell people in this stage, hey, I'm sorry about what's been said to you in the name of religion, but I just want you to know that that's not what God is really like. And so some people have probably said this to you. I've, I've heard this. Well, I don't even like Christians, right? Anybody ever heard that before? Like, I don't, I don't really like those kind of people. And, and, and so like for me, this is what I've done. I've said, yeah, I don't like them either. I grew up with so many mean ones. I had to start my own church, you know? Right? So, so, so they're, they're, they're resistant. Our goal is to move them from this stage to the next, which is receptive. Receptive. In other words, at this point, they, they start to think something changes in their mind. Hey, hey there's got to be more to life than what I'm currently experiencing. This will lead them to start seeking, seeking. This is when people start looking for answers and, and a way out of the mess of their lives. After seeking, they start considering. They're, they're, they're considering. They're, they're looking at what their life is, is like right now versus what it is could be. This is really a great place to, to be able to reach people because all of us have discovered this in our lives, right? That when we try to live a life without God, it always leads us to misery and feeling empty. The, the minus two stage is, is understanding, understanding. And that's where we can begin to share some simple truths, things like, hey, you, you don't have to get everything together and cleaned up in order to come to God. Just, just come to him as you are and just begin a relationship with him. I've talked to so many people and like, man, I'd love to come, but I just got to get some things right before I get there. No, no, you don't have to do that. That's what Jesus came for. We don't have to get it together. And so we just... We just encourage people. We help them in their understanding. And the minus one stage is now they're, they're ready. That, that's the 34 out of 65 million statistic that I mentioned earlier. And I believe that that number should haunt each and every one of us who are believers in the room today because they are out there. They're searching for hope. They're searching for something new. They're searching for something that's life-giving. Listen, I want you to know every day that you live, when you walk around in your community, whether it's at work or the grocery store or the department store, every day we are walking past people who are ready, Pastor Daniel. And they're waiting on one thing. They're, they're waiting on one thing, not an explanation. They're not waiting on an exegesis of the book of Revelation. They're not waiting for a theological argument. They are waiting for an invitation. And so I'm going to preach the announcements right now, Pastor Daniel, all right? You got these cards sitting here. Easter's coming up in two weeks. Listen, every one of us should put these in the hands of people in the next two weeks because they are waiting to experience the love of a resurrected Savior. And understand, it's not pastor's job to do it. It's not Jen's job to do it. It's our job collectively to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'd say it this way, every single one of us should have at least one guest sitting next to us in two weeks 14 days yeah had to be here for pre-service for that sorry all right then they come to a place after that the zero place that's new life in christ that's really the goal that was jesus's goal this is what he said in luke 19 10 for the son of man came to what seek and to save those who are lost 
Now, I'm going to pause on this idea of pursuing the one uh, for just a moment because, because I know that we've got some people in the room today that you've gotten to zero, but you're kind of stuck uh, in that place. And so I just want to unpack the rest of this, of this cycle for you. Uh, the first step after we receive new life in Christ is we move into a place of belonging. Belonging. And so it's imperative. I, I mentioned this on, on Thursday night. It's imperative that we connect to a great church. And Elevation is a great church. But I don't want you just to find it. I don't want you just to attend it. But get in it. Get planted. Participate. Go all in. Serve on the team. Truly belong. Get, get into a small group. Listen, we need to find godly friends godly mentors right who can be accountable that we can be accountable to to help us stay close to god so that's belonging after belonging we we move to the plus two side of the stage and that is we're growing we're growing this is when we discover the ways that god has designed us to to make a difference and change the world and so and so you may have never heard this before um and and, and a lot of us have only heard the negative things that maybe teachers or parents or, or or bullies spoke over our lives but here's the thing you have a purpose you have a purpose god created you he, he didn't make you and say well man what am i going to do with this daniel guy no no the bible says that before we were formed in our mother's womb he knew us he called us he ordained us in other words he he put us together strategically for the place that we were going to live and the calling that he has for our lives and, and i'm just going to tell you not only has he done all of that but you're not in this church on accident god has strategically brought you to this representation of the body to play an active role in the body of christ nowhere in church do we read that our job as a member is to sit up and take a spot on a chair every week now we're thankful we want you to take up a chair every sunday but we want you to get connected right serving using your giftings to make a difference i gotta move on which leads to the next step plus three is serving serving a lot of what god has to offer us cannot even be realized until we begin using our gifts to serve other people God's blessing, his provision starts to flow when we move towards the purpose that he has for us. And this leads us to the last step, which is plus four. It is sharing. This is the ultimate fulfillment stage where we are sharing Christ. This is what we're talking about today, where we start working people through the stages of this process I've just talked to. Sam Williams, I said it this way, evangelism is helping people discover how God is already at work in their lives. And so we've got to understand, we've got to be aware that reaching others, it's not anybody else's responsibility, it's my responsibility. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, it's my responsibility. All right, the second thing we need to do, number two, is commit people to prayer. Commit people to prayer. I, I encourage you, all of us should have a list of people uh, that we've written down their names and that we pray for them every single, uh, every single day. And you're like, well, how do I do that? A great way to do this is to pray scripture over people. I don't have the time to read all of these scriptures, but, but five key verses, I think they're going to go up on the screen. We can pray over people. Our John 6.44, pray that people would be drawn to Jesus. Second uh, Corinthians 4.4, 4, pray against the spirit that blinds people's minds. Romans 8.15, uh, pray that people would come to know God relationally once 
Once again, this isn't about finding religion. It's about finding relationship uh, with our Heavenly Father. Matthew 9, 38, uh, pray that believers would cross their paths and influence them, that they would enter into positive relationships with them. Ephesians 1, 17, uh, pray that God would give them a revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done for them at Calvary. Listen, we need to pray for those around us who don't yet know Jesus. I love James 5.15. Remember that passage that says the effectual fervent prayer of what? Of the righteous avails much. What does that mean? It brings forth fruits. When we pray, something happens. All right, so how do we witness? How do we care for the one? We need to become aware and accept the personal responsibility. We need to commit to prayer. The third thing is this. We must show that we care. We must show that we care. You see, it's, it's not essential. It's not essential to know the entire Bible to be a witness. All right, newsflash for you. I'm a pastor. I don't know every detail of the entire Bible, right? It, listen, that, that's not a requirement. People don't care what you know. They just want to know that you care. In fact, most of us are turned off by people that are know-it-alls, right? We run the other direction. We just want to be around people that will love us and care about us, that, 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 that will be a friend to us. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Verse 22, I have become all things to all people. In other words, that means I'm going to go out to eat with some people. I'm going to play golf with some people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out with some people. We're going to have a, a game night at our home where I'm intentionally bringing some people who don't know Jesus around some other good people who do know Jesus. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do it so that by all possible means, I might save some. And I want you to know in reality, none of these three things are hard. None of these four things that I'm going to share are hard. But when we do the first three things, I promise you, people are going to get to the ready stage and an opportunity is going to present itself every time. The fourth thing that we must do is this. We need to be ready to share. Be ready to share. So many of you have only grown up and you've heard the the bad examples of evangelism. Evangelism. Come on, anybody ever heard some bad examples of evangelism? I don't know if you have this in St. Louis, but in Milwaukee, we got this guy who likes to drive around with his bullhorn on the top of his 1964 station wagon that's spray-painted black with scriptures uh, painted, hand-painted all over, and he's like, Turn burn the lake of fire, yeah! And I mean, I just see people running to him to be saved. Like, it's amazing right? No, 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 no. None of us like that. None of us like that. Listen, listen, evangelism isn't telling a person that they're wrong. It's telling them the difference that God's made in our life. And when we tell that story, when we share what God has done for us, people are going to be drawn to that and they will want what you have. And so tell them about Jesus. Tell them about elevation. Invite them. Say, hey, why don't you come and sit with me? And, and we've got all these great things, man. We've got an amazing band. We've got an amazing team like your kids are going to be taken care of. The pastor is extremely intelligent and good looking. You can give me a 20 later, all right, for that. Um, like, you're going to love it right? Just, just, just share that. And, and, and as we do this over and over again, we will be changing the world one person at a time. In Luke chapter 15, verse 4, Jesus tells a story. 
And this is what he says. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one? Everybody say the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he is founded, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Musicians, if you could come up and help me, can I tell you this morning, Jesus cares so much about the one that he will leave the 99 found ones to go after the lost one. Research suggests that hundreds of churches in our nation are closing their doors every single year. And please understand my heart that this statement I'm going to make does not come with any judgment or any malice, but I can't help but wonder if the reason why churches are dying, Pastor Daniel, is, is because the Father has left the house as they were content to play church because he was busy chasing after his lost sheep. Listen, while God's love for us as his beloved sons and daughters never fades, as it never ends. Please understand that heaven is not rejoicing this morning because a group of believers came together for corporate worship in Fenton, Missouri. I can't help but picture as our services begin every week that God is peeking through the blinds of heaven and he's wondering, hey, is one of my lost children at elevation this morning? Did, did someone care enough to talk about me at work or at school? Did someone care enough to, to bring one of my lost kids into my house so that they could experience and feel my love? With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want every one of us to pause for a moment and, and just reflect. I want you to, to remember that, that at one point, at one point, you or perhaps your parents or, or your grandparents, you were the one. You were the one who was lost. You were the one who was broken. You were the one who was hopeless. And somebody cared enough about you to reach out and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And because of their own willingness to be aware, to pray, to care, to share their story, to be vulnerable, you have now been adopted into the greatest family the world has ever known, the family of God. And so my prayer this week has been that God would convict our hearts that we would be shaken out of our sleep-like state and, and, and that, 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 that God would just would move on us to, 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 just, to just be who he's called us to be, to be witnesses. God, that we would share your hearts. 
God, that, that our heart would be consumed with love for those who are far from you. Lord, I'm asking that you give us vision. That you put in our minds right now a picture of the one that you've strategically placed in our world to reach. Come on, I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, God, would you show me who that person is right now? Come on, see their face. See their face. And now I just want you to commit to God. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do to reach them. I'll be your hands. I'll be your feet. I'll give them an invite card. I'll pray for them every day. God, let us be your hands and feet. You may be sitting here today. you're actually ready to make the next step towards Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a life-giving relationship with him. You've never asked him to be the Lord of your life. Listen, I want you to know that Jesus left the 99 to come and bring you today his love. So if you're here today and you're tired of carrying your own pain if you're tired of going through life and, and your problems alone I want you to know that God loves you so much and he cares for you all you have to do is to surrender and give your life to Jesus and so if you're here this morning and, and you're ready to make that step I want to pray for you so with head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, if, if that's you, without hesitation, would you just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Is there anyone that says, you know what, I'm ready to come back home. Thank you. Thank you. I see you there. That's, this is the greatest decision that you could ever make. Come on, you can put your hands down. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, Lord, I give you my life. Lord, all the brokenness, all the pain, all the hurts, Lord, I give it to you. Lord, and in its place, I receive new life. I receive hope. I receive peace. I receive joy. I receive love. Thank you for new life today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every other person in the room today. Lord God, I thank you that, that we're a, a work that you're not finished with, with yet. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that these words would settle into our heart and that we would walk out of this place, Lord, recognizing the, the, the amazing calling that you placed upon us. And Lord, I pray that as we, as we go out to our jobs and the things that we have to do this week, Lord, that you would supernaturally place people in our paths that are hungry, that are looking for you. And Lord God, that you would find us faithful in this assignment. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, 
Amen, amen, amen. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? Come on, let's celebrate for those who said yes to Jesus. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's celebrate.